Hey, what is up, everybody? This is the Sharp Angles podcast from sharpfootballanalysis.com. My name is Raymond Summerlin, and I'm excited to be joined today by my old friend, my old com- my old compatriot from our Roto World days. They now call it something like NBC Sports Edge. I've never even heard of it. Yeah, I haven't heard of that before. Mm-hmm. But they call it that. He is the senior fantasy analyst at NBC Sports Edge. You can find him on Twitter, at RotoPat. His name is Patrick Dougherty. How are you doing, Patrick? Very good. By the way, you left out that we go all the way back to the Two Mugs Fantasy Football Podcast days. I um, saw that in the DMs. Like It had been... It had been many years since we had DM'd, and so I was looking through our DM history. Yeah, and we uh, we, we did a podcast together back in like what twenty fourteen. So yeah, I think it's been a decade or something like that now. It was. I think Bill Clinton was still president. And yeah, shouts to to Rumford Johnny, one of the podcast OGs, and still one of the OGs of the space. But yeah, we hadn't needed to, needed yeah. a DM because we've been texting now for years and years and years um about many many things yeah exactly uh, remember remember that when you would dm with everybody on in the community like that was the only way you would yes. now now you go back through your dms and you're just deeply confused by what you used to be discussing with people and just it's all it's like dead zencaster links uh remember everyone hear about this you guys remember zencaster uh sorry uh it's a one those of, that's a could, drink yeah, yeah i say for those of you who don't know ray loves when i do my jay leno impression um so my favorite thing about your Jay Leno impression is it's just your voice, but slightly higher. Like your Jay Leno impression is essentially just my impression of you. Hey, you know, I, don't, I don't know. And so, uh, so that's I think that's what makes me the happiest about it. So yeah, dr- you can drink for uh, tough scenes. You can drink for for down bad and Leno impressions. Those are the those are the ones if you're if you're st- if you're playing along at home. Those are the ones to to keep in mind. The secret to but my Leno impression it's just refracted through three other people's Leno impressions by the way. That's how you do a Leno impression. You hear a comedian do an impression of him and then do an impression of that impression. Uh, but drink to me derailing your intro to the podcast. No, that that's going to be high on this list as well. So yeah, so what we're here to talk about Pat does every single year it's one of the most comprehensive coach rankings articles on the on the internet. You should go and read it. It's over at NBC Sports Edge. If you just search Pat, Roto Pat and coaches, it is going to pop up first link for sure. Um, so he posted that a little bit earlier this year. But, you know, last week we talked with Dan Pizzuto about the quarterbacks. We're starting to get into working on the 2023 preview book from Warren Sharp. Within that, we will have positional rankings for every team. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about each of these positions and kind of how we're viewing them and what are the more interesting situations as we try to rank them. My rankings are actually due at the end of this week for every position, and we'll see We'll see how I meet that deadline. Uh, we, we might be we might be pushing it close for sure. But uh, head coaches are one of those that we rank, and I really wanted to pick your brain about a few of the coaches that I find really interesting as I started to go through the rankings. And like I said, go to sharpfootballanalysis.com. You can find all of our positional rankings in Warren Sharp's 2023 preview book. It is for pre-sale right now. It should be out sometime in early July. It's a great book. Last year was over 500 pages comprehensive team previews go to the website check that out but let's talk about the coaches here and and some of the more interesting ones and where i wanted to start is with pete carroll and the reason i wanted to start with pete carroll and what was interesting to me is i looked at your rankings and pete carroll was 11 last year 
and he's 11th this year. But I think that, I think that the perception of Pete Carroll has, even if your rankings didn't change, the perception of Pete Carroll has changed pretty dramatically in the last year. And I feel like a lot of us owe him an apology. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I know. It's truly like, and two, it's solely not necessarily because of anything he did, but it's because of uh, one of his former players going and failing spectacularly. And, but what I think it really highlighted was that the problem has never been Pete, the coach, like we maybe thought it was. And it was Pete, he's running this retrograde offense. He's holding back all of his personnel. When I, mean, I think clearly it's safe to say he, he, he may have lost a few battles with Russell Wilson, but he definitely won the war and that he was basically trying to protect Russell Wilson from himself, protect his offense from Russell Wilson, like totally sidelining it, like totally nuking it, and that he's still like a really good coach, but that maybe some of the problems are more personnel-based in Seattle where we know they've wasted so many first-round picks. They traded two of them for an in-the-box safety in Jamal Adams. We know they've used a lot of draft capital and Rashad Penny and running backs, but just that like the overall system, like Pete the teacher – Pete, the coach is still really good because they get rid of, you know, their supposed franchise, like generational player in Seattle. And then they go back to the playoffs. They make Geno Smith, the comeback player of the year. And it's not possible without fairly good personnel, but just, I think it's just a reminder of how good Pete Carroll is at being a teacher. I mean, his team has always had like massive buy-in and like, he's just, he's so good at the X's and O's. He's like so good at execution and then maybe even if a system is a little dated, like, you know, he's always been famous for having like a simple system, just execute this system on offense and defense. And then maybe that never goes out of style, even though we tried to like will it into going out of style for like five years. We're like Pete, man, he's just ruining this team when it turns out he was saving it. And that was the funniest part to me is that we were all like, let Russ cook, let Russ cook, let Russ cook. And it turns out he was down to do that. He just didn't think that Russ <laughs> could do it. Like, so Russ leaves and then they are sixth in pass rate over expectation last year. Like they let Geno Smith cook and they refused to let Russ cook. That's, you know, as we think about Denver moving forward and what Sean Payton's going to do, especially given his weird uh, comments that I keep bringing up about Jared Stidham. I know. Like, <laughs> so is Denny the, Carter. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing in the world to me. But anyway, so like you think about Denver moving forward, it seems like Pete Carroll was right about the way that they were they were approaching that. And you mentioned the personnel. Like I think going into last year, we all thought Seattle had one of the worst rosters in the league. And then they hit on that draft class. And that draft class was the best draft class of last year. You look at what they did this year, and they seem to be from the draft Knicks pretty universally praised. So they're in this situation where if Geno Smith can keep this going and they can keep the quarterback play where it is, that maybe, you know, maybe they're they're kind of refreshing their their team in a way that we've seen other former dynasties not be able to do that. And that would be that would be a really kind of interesting end to to Pete Carroll's career not saying that he's going to leave in anytime soon but like if they're able to kind of build a second run on the back of Geno Smith or whoever ends up at quarterback there in the future that would be a real feather in his cap for sure Wait, Pete Carroll you mentioned him being near the end people a real life hashtag people forget he is the oldest coach in the NFL and has been for like six or seven years uh old he's a year or two older than Bill Belichick and like you said yeah speaking of the personnel 
if, if this draft class is as good as last year's, it could be back to like a 2010, 11, 12 situation where they stockpiled the team. You know, Earl Thomas was, was a first round pick, but getting Richard Sherman on day three, getting Russell Wilson on day two, it seems like maybe they've rediscovered their drafting identity. And 2021, they had only three draft picks, by the way. And so Pete, it just seems like, yeah, as long as he can supply himself with the proper personnel, he still knows how to deploy them. He still knows how to coach them up. He just can't keep doing things like taking LJ Collier in the first round or uh, Rashad Penny in the first round. And even this year, you know, had to take Zach Charbonnet in the second, just had to do that. But uh, you know, yeah, one P- of those teams that like the analytics were like, oh yeah, we're great. We're in on this team again. And then, and then they trap Zach Charbonnet in the second round after drafting Kenneth Walker in the second round last year. And you're like, what are we doing? Like, why, why, why do you want us to hate you, uh, Seattle? Like, why, why are you doing this? He just wants to keep us a little bit off balance because he, he was uncomfortable with everyone liking him again. And now he's like, oh, oh, you think you like me again, huh? How about another second round running back? And then we're immediately off of him. That's kind of, it's funny because the next guy I want to talk about is in a, in the same boat in the, Dan Campbell with the Lions because we were all so excited about the Lions after last year. We were so in on what they were doing. And then draft night comes and they draft uh, Jameer Gibbs when he picks ahead of where we thought he would be drafted. They spend their second first round pick on an off-ball linebacker and we're like, oh, I don't know about all this. But if we're just talking about Dan Campbell, the coach, there's a lot of kind of Pete Carroll going on here where he seems to be one of those coaches that can create a culture and create a structure that leads to what the Lions hope is long-term winning. Obviously he hasn't done it, but you can see him being a guy like Carroll, like Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, like Mike Tomlin that builds, maybe they're not as involved in the X's and O's. Campbell's did call plays at the end of 2021. He is definitely involved in that. Pete Carroll, obviously, you know, his defense, he brought it with him. So like they are involved, but maybe they're, that's not as much as, important for them as it is as it is the culture that he's been able to create and that's something that's really interesting to me about kind of dan campbell and why we're putting faith in this lions team yeah and you compare him to john harbaugh he kind of reminds me like jim harbaugh in some ways and pete carroll too where he's a guy he's a head coach who clearly sets the tone on both sides of the ball and even though he's an offensive guy uh, he's just such a perfect blend of like old old school and new school like coaching tendencies where he's, he's definitely like a leader of men. Like the team has rallied around him. He can do like the really old school machismo and leadership, but he seems like he goes to great pains to be a player's coach where he's not the kind of guy, he's not going to like chew you out in front of the team. He's not going to establish like a toxic culture or just like a win at all costs culture like Bill Belichick, where he seems like very interested in leadership, but in, in a modern way where he wants it to be positive like Pete Carroll but then also just a new school in that he's embracing like all the new concepts where he's embracing like EPA based offense, even though they're kind of more run based. And even though uh, you know, they're using high draft capital on running backs, it seems like he understands play sequencing. He, like, he wants to be balanced, but it's not for the sake of balance. He wants to be balanced. I think, cause he's trying to win with Jared Goff at quarterback. And he knows that you can't do that with this, uh, you know, totally pass happy offense. And it, you've got to have an effective run game. You have to have yards after the catch guys, which they're trying to populate their offense with. And you, I'll just to another great head coaching trait trait where he seems like he definitely knows who to trust. And like where he wasn't afraid to make the tough decision to demote Anthony Lynn in 2021, where he did call the plays and did an amazing job calling the plays. 
But then he knew for, for 2022 that he could trust Ben Johnson to be the offensive coordinator. And just so he's doing everything right. And we mentioned personnel in Seattle. It's just the only question now in Detroit is the personnel where I wonder if Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes just like thought they were a little further ahead in their rebuild than they are. Cause they, they finished last year, eight and two, they were like the classic, like team. No one would have wanted to play in the playoffs. It seemed like they were believing their own hype. You know, they had the number six pick. I would have maybe stayed put at number six and just taken like another best player available and try to like give one more building block to this roster. But they definitely think they're like in the finishing touches phase where they're making what amount to luxury picks and yeah, change of pace running back and an off ball linebacker. Um, but maybe that maybe they have already completed the rebuild. Cause like you said, the culture is just so good. The players have clearly bought in the results so far speak for themselves. Yeah. Just closing last year on a tear, having a winning season, which is very rare in lions football. And despite the questionable draft picks. This is a brain trust. This is a coach that has earned the benefit of the doubt. And yeah, Dan Campbell, this could be the last year in coach rankings that he's outside the top 10. Yeah, I can see that for sure. And like to your point about them maybe being closer than they think, you would say that about defense and they would say, well, we drafted a linebacker and, you know, okay, I don't know how much that's going to help. But they, their defense was better down the stretch last year. A lot they better. made changes. And to you saying like he trusts his, you know, the right people, he trusts his, he trusted Aaron Glenn to make the changes that needed to be made. And like, you would look at, you know, Aaron Glenn got interviews this January, right? You would look at the, well, he was the defensive coordinator of one of the worst defenses in the league, but that wasn't the case over the back half of the season. He clearly made changes there. They are working to bring in people to improve that secondary. And so, yeah, they're, they're probably, I don't think they're close enough to be drafting a running back and an off ball linebacker no. in the first no. round. I'm still out on that. You know, who am I to say I'm not an NFL coach or GM, but like, I wouldn't say that they're also like that. That's also a wild thing to think that they're closer, especially in that division. I mean, where the Vikings last year got by on incredible luck in winning games they probably had no business winning like if you just reverse their one score games they it, it was a much it was a much uglier record than it was before the packers are with jordan love the bears have no idea what they have in justin fields like they need to win the division now and so maybe maybe in that respect it makes sense and two you could see why the lions i mean it's been since ni- the 1991 season that they won a playoff game why they're in seize the day mode and also just in the nfl with injuries the way they are, how short careers are, basically windows open a lot sooner than fans are expecting, and they close a lot sooner. So maybe they could very easily end up justified in just being hyper-aggressive and taking these guys that maybe the general public didn't understand, but they viewed as like missing pieces for their roster. And yeah, quite possible it works out, and that uh, we're just again told we pay way too much attention to analytics, and we will be triggered, and yeah. Well, that's true, to be fair. Yeah. But uh, what, uh, what I'll say to that is I've, I've mentioned this before, I believe, on this podcast. I think the Indianapolis Colts are a great example of what happens when you believe that that roster you build is going to continue to be as good as it is. And they played quarterback roulette for too long, and they didn't invest the way they should have in quarterback. And now they're in a position where they've drafted their quarterback, and we'll see what happens with Anthony Richardson. But their roster is in a much worse spot than it was three years ago. And so if you think there's a chance, you have to kind of go after it. Especially, I mean, 
Jared Goff's on a good contract. Even if you don't trust him, he's on a good contract. He was able to do it last year. Um, that system worked out well. You know, we'll see when Jamison Williams comes back if he ends up being that field stretcher that they desperately need. And so there are lots of there are lots of outs here for them, even if, you know, even if maybe they're trying to to get through that window a little bit a little bit early. That's the final thing I would say too is this is making luxury picks like that when you have that rare kind of draft capital quite a vote of confidence in Jared Goff after what I would say was probably an outlier season for him. That's another like big time coaching call is Dan Campbell clearly telling the front office, like we can win with Jared Goff. I can win with Jared Goff. And uh, hopefully his judgment is correct. Yeah. We'll see. That's it. We shall so, see. The last coach I wanted to really identify here out of your rankings is a coach that I think you have too low. I'm going to be turned into Twitter mention person here for a second. I'm going to get in your mentions. And, and ask you why you have them too low. But I don't actually have to ask why you have Arthur Smith at 22. I get it. I understand why he's down there. I think Arthur Smith is too low because if you look at the situation he inherited in Atlanta, I would say he's probably overachieved a little bit. His quarterback situation is a mess. They had no talent on defense. It looks like that defense could be a little bit better moving forward. They had no talent at pass catcher. It's annoying he wouldn't use Kyle Pitts the way that Kyle Pitts probably needs to be used. But again, you know, the quarterback situation is is weird there. And even with that quarterback situation, the offense was 14th in points per drive last year. It's tough to know if he would run a different offense if he had a quarterback he trusted. Uh, you know, he ran the same kind of offense in Tennessee but that was Ryan Tannehill. Can you really trust Ryan Tannehill? And even then, Ryan Tannehill was second among all quarterbacks in EPA per play during his two seasons under Arthur Smith. I actually think that the Falcons have overachieved a bit here. In that division, it wouldn't be wild if they won that division this year and people view Arthur Smith a little bit differently, especially if Desmond Ritter can take the step forward. I would have liked to see them make a better investment at quarterback. That would have been nice to see. But ultimately, I think Arthur Smith's a really good coach. And if it goes wrong for him and he gets fired, he's a, a, a coach that I would love to see as the offensive coordinator on my favorite team. Like that's kind of the situation with him. So you made a lot of really interesting points about Arthur Smith. And the first being, would you kind of hinted at, like not all seven and 10 records are built the same or they've been seven and 10 both years. But two years ago, I think it was with a negative 146 point differential in the final Matt Ryan season. It was up to like negative 20 last year, just a much, much better season, a much more watchable uh, campaign. But So to me, it's clear Arthur Smith can coach and cl clear he can design an offense. But I just wonder if he's kind of like trapping himself like in the Ryan Tannehill box, so to speak. And one of these guys who just ties one hand behind his back, like maybe like a more extreme version of Kyle Shanahan, basically, where he just won't open it up and he almost prefers to have like guys like Ryan Tannehill because to me, so the Falcons, they were one of five teams in 2022 to have positive EPA in the running game. So he can design a rushing attack. And he did this yeah, with no quarterback play whatsoever. He did it with Tyler Algier as the lead back. So he basically cobbled a run game together out of nothing. And then he goes and uses the number eight overall pick on Bijan Robinson. It's like, dude, like you guys were already having this amazingly efficient rushing attack out of what kind of like spare parts. Like you didn't need to invest this draft capital in a running back, however good he is. I mean, Bijan is amazing. It's hard to complain about ending up Bijan Robinson on your roster. But just like almost like he wants Desmond Ritter to be his quarterback. And 
what I saw from Desmond Ritter last year and in college, like he's not going to be your long-term answer at quarterback. And it's almost like Arthur Smith, like a victim of his own success in Tennessee, where he's just decided like, this is the way I got to do it. This is the way I coach NFL football. Like we're going to be conservative and run heavy and we don't want to be so dependent on the quarterback. And maybe I'm, I'm wrong. And he would have, they, he and Terry Fontenot would have made the move for a quarterback if they thought it was realistic if they thought someone was there. I, I just think that, Arthur Smith is extremely good at what he does, but that he should maybe be thinking bigger and doing more with what he can do on offense. Yeah. And it's an interesting, you know, it's that chicken or the egg argument because like Kyle Shanahan's a good person to bring up because that team has leaned more heavily into the run uh, than you would expect for a coach. That's the darling of, yes. of, the, of the Twitter space. Right. But if you go back to when he actually had quarterbacks, go back to Atlanta, that was not the case. This offense in San Francisco looks a lot different from a play selection standpoint than it than it did in Atlanta, when he was in Atlanta and with Matt Ryan and, you know, the good Matt Ryan, the good version of Matt Ryan, not the one that Arthur Smith, you know, uh, inherited. So I think that it's an interesting question for what does he actually want to do? What offense does he want to run? I will say, the Bijan Robinson thing, there was an interesting article written on sharpfootballanalysis.com by Dan Pizzuta that was about the ways in which Bijan Robinson can help them become the multiple team they actually want to be. And this is a like almost a direct quote from Dan. So many teams want to be positionalists. Very few have the people, the personnel to actually do it drafting Robinson might actually give them the personnel to do it because Algier was good last year as a fifth round pick. They have Cordero Patterson. They have Kyle Pitts who can line up anywhere. They have Drake London who looks like a really, you know, a good wide receiver. If the counting stats weren't there last year, he, he was, he was doing a lot in an offense that wasn't designed for him to do it. And so I think that that part of the Bijan thing, maybe we're maybe we're looking at it a little bit differently, but you're right. On the surface, they drafted a running back into one of the best rushing offenses in the league that was able to do that with Tyler Algier, a player I liked coming out of school, but was a fifth round pick. And so I, I'm kind of with you. Maybe this is actually what he wants to be, but I would just love to see him with a real quarterback. Yeah, like was... that would be it would be wonderful if we could just this is the reverse Allen Robinson. Can we please, or no, I guess it's the same as Allen Robinson. Can we please get <laughs> Arthur Smith a real quarterback and kind of see what it looks like? Yeah, I just wanted him to maybe expand his horizons. And maybe he, he maybe he really does. And they just decided it wasn't the right year. Like they didn't want to trade up for Anthony Richardson or whatever. It, it seems like maybe he's a little too focused on what he already knows he can do well and doesn't want to expand beyond what he, by the way, the Falcons team building, like this isn't necessarily Arthur Smith. This is Terry Fontenot, probably more than Arthur Smith to have three top eight picks in a row and use all three on skill players. None of whom are a quarterback is a very, very interesting way to build the team. Like some would say a shocking way to build the team. And uh, they're trying to make history. It, it, it is crazy how many like true hybrid players they have. That's a really interesting point. Maybe with Kyle Pitts, CPAT and now Bijan, uh, where they could deploy a really, really unique offense. And, yeah, maybe Kyle Shanahan does seem like kind of the best touchstone for what the Falcons are trying to do. I don't think they're anywhere close to what Kyle Shanahan does. But I, I agree. Arthur Smith, you know, it's like a, I write in the article, it's like an article of faith on Twitter that Arthur Smith is a fake sharp. And I do, I do not agree with that. I do think he is clearly a very sharp football coach. It's just a matter of he's, like, sharp at the right things, I guess. Yeah, and it, also maybe he's, you know, Wade Phillips. Maybe his maybe he should be an offensive coordinator, and that's where that's where he should be. So like that that's an option, 
you know, as well. So it's it's just a really interesting situation. By the way, I mentioned this last week. I'm going to say it every time. Kyle Shanahan is a wizard. Like no, I know. Bro- what the efficiency stats last year he got from Jimmy Garoppolo it's and Brock nuts. Purdy is wild. Like it's as it's more impressive than Arthur Smith getting the second EPA seasons out of Ryan Tannehill. Like it's I have no idea how he does it. He's an he is a warlock. I am so confused. And no, and I, it's funny too that he takes so much criticism a lot of times from me, and just because he's so irritating. But he is just like a straight up genius. He just does irritating things. Like I complain so much about what I feel like is like his pointless motion. I'm sure it's not pointless to him though, and I'm sure it's very valuable in ways I don't understand. But Shanny, a guy who won Matt Ryan an MVP, uh, that's pretty great. A guy who it was he was the coordinator, I believe, in Josh Gordon had like 1,800 yards or whatever. Uh, maybe I might be that misremembering Cleveland that. team. That Cleveland team, I don't remember if it was a Josh Gordon year, but it was, it was a Brian Hoyer year, year when when Shanny was there. Yeah. That one year where they threw was it like 650 times yes. or something like that? With I, what it was, Brian Hoyer was. It was yeah. a wild, it was a wild time to be alive, kids. If you don't remember that team, Josh Gordon was pre Shanny, by the way. So I did, but Shanny guy. So anyways, it was 2016, I think, when he won the MVP with Matt Ryan. So already at the the top of his powers then. And has only gotten better. Like the 49ers offense is just crazy. And the stuff they can do with the run and with the pass, there really is no one else in the NFL right now like Kyle Shanahan. He is maybe Andy Reid, I guess, is a cut above. But beyond Andy Reid, there's just no one calling and designing offense like Kyle Shanahan right now. Yeah, I agree. So a couple of questions I wanted to kind of finish us up with here as you're looking at your rankings and kind of projecting forward because this is a this is a descriptive exercise we're looking at the past but as we try to look forward to the future the first one is as you look through your list as you look through where you have people ranked who is a coach that you could see being much higher in your rankings next year we kind of talked about dan campbell maybe this is the year he moves into the top 10 but who are some other coaches you think could could really be moved up your list next year well i got i gotta say mike mccarthy and a 21, no, not Mike McCarthy. Even though Mike McCarthy established it, baby. Establish Mike McCarthy is so hated to the point where he might be underrated at this point. Uh, Art, Art Smith was one who could definitely climb out of the 20s, but you, we were talking right before the show began. Mike McDaniel probably is the choice for me, and maybe this is like thinking too much with like my my fantasy nerd heart because there could be some real weaknesses here with Mike McDaniel, and we saw things kind of go askance for them in the second half last year where teams started taking away the middle of the field passing for a little bit and things looked a little shaky, but then we have a guy whose system, you know, a shanty type system with some very interesting differences, but goes on the road in the wild card round and almost wins a playoff game with Skylar Thompson and Skylar Thompson, not even playing particularly well either. And this guy can really, really design offense. He can really design big plays. I kind of liked, where their offense was going against like the recent offensive grain where I feel like it's not, it wasn't like so focused on like hyper efficiency and like only short passing, even though that was a big element where they really tried to hit big plays again and make the deep ball great again, kind of with the dolphins and Tua. And he's so good at designing offense. And then he went out and you know, we're talking about like knowing who to trust. He convinces Vic Fangio one of the two or three best defensive coordinators in the entire NFL to join his staff so where he can basically make the defense an autonomous unit and he can just worry about offense 
He can worry about being like the offensive genius and the leader of the team. And it just, it was, in some ways it was a frustrating season for the Dolphins because they closed so poorly and like things were just so weird with the injuries, but nine and eight and almost beating the bills, just a, such a great debut campaign for Mike McDaniel. And it's a guy who it's really hard at the end of the day to like poke holes in the argument for what he did as a first year head coach. And the very first thing you have to do as a coach is you have to, you have to like do your job on your side of the ball. And Mike McDaniel is so good on his side of the ball that he just seems like someone who, who can keep going higher and higher. And I, I'm very interested. So I have an article coming out this week about fantasy football strength of schedule, uh, just based on pass efficiency from last year. And obviously, you know, if you're looking at pass efficiency from last year, some teams are going to get better. Some teams are going to get worse. It's not a perfect way to think about it. But when I look at those types of numbers, I always like to look at the extremes because if you have the hardest pass defense, even if you get lucky and some of those teams get worse, that you're still going to be in the bottom third, most likely uh, based on it. And so I like to look at the extremes and the Dolphins have the second hardest uh, passing uh, schedule ouch. and have the hardest uh, rushing schedule. And so if it happens again this year that this offense works the way it did and that Tua has the the exceptional year that he, especially from an efficiency standpoint, that he had last year, that it will be a major feather in Mike McDaniel's cap. But what I will say that if it doesn't work exactly the same and they take a step back, that will be something to kind of think about based on based on their schedule. And so it'll be interesting to see how opinions change on him as they go through. Because, I mean, looking at last year, a lot of that they did beating up on bad competition. And so it'll be interesting to see if they can, as, as Rich Rebar, a good friend Rich Rebar likes to say, punch up better than, better than they did last year. It is interesting thinking about a offensive-based coach, and he's in a division where he's guaranteed six games against Bill Belichick, Sean McDermott, and now Robert Sala. I think, I think the Jets, what they allowed, like 200 fewer points last year than the year before. So uh, very interesting point there. Mike, uh, no pressure. Don't let us down. Uh, we need you in fantasy. Good. Good luck, Jam. Actually, Salah's one that's on. Salah's the one on one on my list of when I'm thinking about coaches that could be higher. Because you mentioned it with McDaniel to dominate your side of the ball and get your side of the ball right, and Salah did that. I mean, their defense was great last year. It was sixth in EPA per play. He did that, and he was just saddled with literally the worst quarterback situation in the league. Three of the six worst quarterbacks in completion rate over expected last year were Jets. Three of the six worst were Jets. That's how bad it was. Seems hard to down. do. <laughs> it's, it was not It was not great over there. And so he now gets Aaron Rodgers. We'll see what Aaron Rodgers looks like. I kind of expect to bounce back. It really looked like a kid throwing a tantrum last year a little bit. Now he gets bit. Garrett Wilson. Now he gets Garrett Wilson. Uh, so he has that alpha wide receiver back. And so I, I think there's going to be a bounce back from Aaron Rodgers and the Jets are going to be pretty good. One that I'm very interested in is Brandon Staley because he is, I think, the most volatile name on your list because, you know, our, our once our once in a future analytics king, we'll see. We'll see how that kind of works out for him. And then you look at last year and they overcome, they overcame a lot of offensive injuries, but then you look at the other side of it. They only really won against bad teams. They had one win against teams with a winning record last season. So he overcomes adversity, but then they can't punch up. He, they have the talent 
they changed the offensive coordinator, so he made the decision they need that they he needed to make. That was very and then important. We've seen him exactly, but we have we've seen him not make those decisions in the past. So, like, if you told me that Brandon Staley took the Chargers to the AFC Championship game and he moved up significantly in your rankings next year, I would believe that. If you told me that he was the first coach fired, I would believe that as well. Like, I think the range of outcomes for him is as wide as any coach in the league. And the super concerning part with Staley is just. So it, he he became a kind of a meme because so many of like the analytics based decisions on offense backfired, but he actually grades pretty well in like most like the coaching decision metrics and they're fine and like their play sequencing and their their EPA. But it was on defense where you know he, we thought he was like the next defensive genius for what he did with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and the Rams and through two years the Chargers like that there hasn't been any defensive genius on display and they've had injuries. Khalil Mack was declining after they traded for him last year. It was really some bad free agency luck, but he's not like overcoming his deficiencies on defense the way you, that's what he was hired to do. He was hired to be a defensive genius and let Justin Herbert kind of like do his thing on offense. So that is very concerning. And also, yeah, he didn't know who to trust on offense. They had Joe Lombardi and maybe this is a front office problem too, but just putting a restrictor plate basically on Justin Herbert and, like a guy who could have a better arm than maybe Mahomes or Josh Allen. He might have the biggest arm in the NFL. And you're calling this like dink and dunk offense. And to say it's a critical year for Brandon Staley's future in Los Angeles uh, and Tom Telesco in the front office would be putting it mildly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny with Staley uh, when he was doing that with the Rams, when he was, you know, that really good defensive year he had with the Rams, I was actually a high school teacher at that point in time. And the defensive coordinator of our high school team and I had multiple conversations about all of the very interesting things that he was doing. Like he was doing coming from, you know, he was part of the Fangio tree, if I'm remembering correctly, but he was taking that and doing and doing kind of more interesting things, especially with his fronts and the way that the way that they were playing. And so he really ushered in a new era, along with Fangio, ushered in a new era of kind of defensive football. And we see a lot more too high now than than we did in the past. Boy, do but, we ever. <laughs> but now but now everybody's caught up and he doesn't have those advantages anymore. He doesn't have Aaron Donald anymore. And it's kind of it's interesting. It's gonna be interesting to see how he how he bounces back from that. The last thing I really wanted to talk about, actually, I, I just looked, got to the end of my notes and I remembered that I have a single note down here with nothing underneath it. <laughs> it's bolded. It's one single sentence bolded. And all it says is Ron Rivera is the new Jeff Fisher. I don't know why that's there. I don't know what in my 2 a.m. brain made me write that, but I think it's accurate. I feel pretty good about 2 a.m. Raymond's thoughts on Ron Rivera. I won't go too long on Ron Rivera, but I, I had like an epiphany right in this article, like, we have basically been underrating how ineffective of a head coach Ron Rivera is. And I think it's because everyone really likes Ron Rivera. The person seems like an all time, like winning dude, but he's been an NFL coach 12 years and he's won five to eight games, nine of those 12 years. All three of the exceptions featured Cam Newton at quarterback. He's won a playoff game, only two of 12 years as a head coach. And one of those years it was when they were seven, eight and one and beat Ryan Lindley and the Cardinals. And it's basically worse than Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher would win 13 games sometimes. I guess Ron Rivera did once or twice with the Panthers, but I, I, he's been kind of allowed to like fly under the radar, just how truly mediocre Ron Rivera and his teams have been. Jeff Fisher, you've just described Jeff Fisher. I, I really did. Thank he is you. just Jeff Fisher. <laughs> Thank you, 2 a.m. brain. I really appreciate that. All right, so last thing I really wanted to talk with you about was 
the new hires because you don't rank the new hires, which makes perfect sense. We don't have any data on them. There's no reason to do that. There are some interesting veteran new hires this year, Sean Payton, Frank Reich. Frank Reich is another one of those kind of Arthur Smith that once he got fired, I'd be like, if my team got him as OC, I'd be very happy about that. Carolina got him as coach. And I think that that's probably a good move, but excluding those guys, which of these new hires are you feeling the best about heading into 2023? Well, so there's five new hires and I would say there's none of them. I feel bad about where I think it's probably a good sign for the hiring process in the NFL. When Jonathan Gannon seems like the shakiest new hire in Arizona, you know, he's, he's having an interesting off season where it, seems like he's kind of trying and failing to be one of the boys and seem like yeah. kind of like your over eager, like neighbor or like youth pastor or something at head coach, but youth pastor is perfect. <laughs> youth pastor as a, as a boy who grew up in the South in churches, I could tell you that youth. I hadn't thought of it. That is perfect. That is exactly what he is right now as youth pastor. So he's got a bit of a youth pastor vibe, Jonathan Gannon, but he's like a textbook hire. I mean, a guy coming from a very forward-thinking organization, forward-thinking Eagles front office, forward-thinking coach and Nick Sirianni. You know, of course, a guy who oversaw one of the very best defenses in the NFL last year and had a you know a, a very vivid letdown in the biggest game of his career in the Super Bowl where it was not a good game for Jonathan Gannon in the Super Bowl, but basically knew what to do most of the time with the talent the Eagles front office had handed him. And if that's like the worst, most questionable hire – that's a pretty good sign for the hiring process. And you know, Peyton is a great retread choice. So is Frank Reich. I mean, D'Amico Ryans is the really interesting one. And kind of just based on more like kind of like, like tea leaf reading, because he was a guy like in NFL circles where he was the one like generating like all like the, the whispers and the chatter, like D'Amico Ryans is going to be like a special head coach. And he's coming from a, a system in San Francisco. There's now churning out great head coaches on offense and defense back-to-back defensive coordinators hired away from the 49ers is pretty crazy. Like a guy just talk about like like the opposite of like what Lovey Smith and David Culley were. It's like youthful energy, like definitely like forward thinking Uh, a guy who really wanted to be there too. D'Amico Ryan's apparently really liked being a Texan as a player and just like a a desperately needed like culture change hire for the Texans. But I I, I even Shane Steichen, I think, I really like for the Colts after they interviewed everyone on planet earth and seemed like they wanted to maybe rehire Jeff Fisher. They make a really good hire too. And a guy, all the same boxes, Jonathan Gannon coming from like the kind of organization you want to hire away from, but a guy who's like run every kind of offense already in only two years, just a really solid overall group of of coaches. And I don't know if I could include the retreads, I guess I'd still say I'm the most interested in Sean Payton, but just a really, really strong group of five guys. I'm really happy that I've put Jeff Fisher's name in your brain now. It's stuck in there. And you called Jeff Saturday, Jeff Fisher. That's <laughs> Did I really? Oh my you're gosh. Gonna, yeah. You're going to, it's going to be exciting because you're just going to be, you're just going to be, it'll be 1 a.m. this morning. You'll be trying to write. And it'll just be you. It'll be the shining, except you'll just be typing Jeff Fisher's name over, over and over again. I, I think that Steichen is, am I saying that right? I actually have never figured out how to say his name. I say Steichen. It's one of those things though, people listening to this podcast, when you write so much about football, you write names so often and you never say them. And then you go on a podcast, you're like, oh, what the hell? I don't know how to say this. And I always say Steichen. Exactly. We're going, we'll go with Steichen. He seems really smart to me. I do think there's a little bit of an odd thing happening with him because he had there. He's now attached to Anthony Richardson. 
and he's coming from Jalen Hurts, and people like to make that connection. Well, he helped develop Jalen Hurts. He's going to be able to develop Anthony Richardson, and that's a very that's a like that's a very revisionist history on who Jalen Hurts was. Yes. Jalen Hurts was a decorated college quarterback who played for Alabama, Oklahoma, won a national championship, and won with both of those programs. Anthony Richardson is not that at all, and so it's going to be interesting to see. He has a long, a much longer way to go with Richardson. He can do a lot of similar things. Hertz did have some accuracy concerns, some decision-making concerns coming out of college. I don't think they were anywhere to the degree that Richardson's no. are. And so, yeah, this is a another step up if he's going to make this Richardson thing work. And it's interesting because, like I said, I think he's smart, but now he's tied to this very volatile quarterback. Chris Ballard is tied to this very volatile quarterback after he refused to make a quarterback decision for so long. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. I feel good about him. I think he's smart. Smart. I think he seems like he seems to me like a good coach, but it might not matter. Like if Anthony Richardson busts, it like it won't matter for no, either of them, and that's kind of a weird all. situation. Yeah, Hertz was a prolific college passer, an extremely experienced college passer. Where Richardson was neither of those things, barely played one year. I, I think the way the only way the comparison works is it was only two years in Philadelphia, but Steichen, you know, they had a super run heavy offense in twenty twenty one. Then they had a much more pass-heavy offense in 2022. So he got experience in both those systems. And then he did. Both systems were run by a dual-threat quarterback. So he has some interesting parallels. But yeah, as a one-to-one -one player comp, Jalen Hurts and Anthony Richardson does not work. Yeah, it's not It's not close to me. I think that's it for me. If you, Unless you have any coaches, do you want? Do you have any Ron Rivera's, Jeff Fisher notes you have to lay on? You have to lay on us that we really need to – put in our brain and think about for the rest of our lives no it's a shame because the nfl just keeps getting better so now like the worst coaches are still bad but i started doing this in 2014 the worst coaches are nowhere near as bad as they were in 2014 or some of those guys like who is like peewee o'reilly and like why has he been coaching for 50 years and he's been allowed to go two and 14 three straight years i feel like the, they should probably fire him and it's just Kevin Clark of the ringer. I, I was talking to him recently. He somehow teams fail smarter now. And the, the hiring process really since Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan have had so much success, like revolutionized the hiring process in the NFL where people are, the teams are just taking from the smartest coaching trees over and over again. And they're taking young guys, people with new ideas. And so there's still bad coaches in the NFL, but it's just nothing like it was even 10 years ago. I mean, that being said, Josh McDaniels is a, a comet hurtling towards Earth and uh, will break apart upon reentry, and it'll be as bad as his Broncos tenure was. There's a, there's a take for you. I mean, I have no rebuttal to that no. after what we've seen. No, it's it's so it's literally the exact same thing as in Denver, where he learned he learned all the cutthroat lessons from Bill Belichick, but he didn't learn like any of the patience le lessons. He didn't like learn any of like the lying and weight lessons. He just learned how to be an asshole basically and like nothing else. And it didn't work in Denver and it's not going to work in this division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and now Sean Payton. I, I think that that's the problem is people look at Bill Belichick and they just see the gruffness, but then you watch Bill Belichick interact with his former players. Um, and they very clearly love him because He's not being on like his criticisms. I, this is what I'm imagining based on 
based on my years as a teacher and seeing the two sides of gruffiness, you can have gruff teachers that that people, the students absolutely love, and you can have ones that students absolutely hate. And it mostly comes down to, are they fair? And it seems like a lot of what Josh McDaniels is, is doing is, it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't seem to be rooted in anything real in reality. No. Like, like he's blaming Derek Carr because he's asking Derek Carr to throw down the field. You, Derek Carr, does, like he doesn't do, like, what are we doing? And now he's going to bring in Jimmy Garoppolo. Are they going to change the offense? Because Jimmy G definitely can't do that, no. what they were asking Derek Carr to do last year. And so, like, it's trying to fit these, you know, round pegs in the square holes for seemingly no reason, just getting on the wrong side of people. I didn't know we were going to talk about Josh McDaniels, but like, <laughs> it, it's just you you don't learn the right lessons if you think that bill belichick is great because he's gruff he's great because he's critically intelligent and understands what needs to be addressed and what doesn't what needs to be fixed and what doesn't and if you are if you are good at explaining why you're criticizing somebody they are willing to accept that constructive criticism versus abuse and that's really that's really the key and i think that people on his in his in his kind of orbit may have may have missed that a little bit they have. And Bill Belichick, if he spoils your wedding, I feel like he might just say my bad and he won't trade you for that. Whereas Josh McDaniels ruined Darren Waller's wedding and then seemed upset about everyone being mad at him for that. So then he just traded Darren Waller. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's, I, don't, a, I do not think he learned the right lessons. It's, it's a Tim Robinson sketch. Like It really is. Hey, season three, by the way, coming up. Uh, check it out, folks. They really needed. They really needed the plug. I appreciate you <laughs> plugging Netflix. I know Netflix. They, they, have a mark, they don't have a marketing budget, so they need me to yeah, do no. it. Well, they just sent me an email that says nobody outside of my house can share it, so they must not be doing great. So, wow. uh oh, I know. We'll see. We'll see but Yikes. that's it for us, uh, Pat. I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking with me. Um, we'll have to do it again at some point in the future. Go follow him on Twitter at RotoPat, search for his coach ranking articles, his GM ranking articles, just as good. Also out at NBCSportsEdge.com. Still not called RotoWorld.com. I do know though, if you type RotoWorld.com into the search bar, it will it will take you straight to the website. It redirects, and that's the RotoWorld redirect is alive and well, and it's not going anywhere. By the way, so that's alive how and well. that's how I choose to do it exclusively for you know for old time's sake. So yeah, so that was a great conversation. We'll be back with this feed with Todd talking about best ball is going to have a special guest next week, Todd Burrow. So make sure you hang around for that and uh, we'll see you soon.